Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Dan Martell. If you don't know who Dan Martell is, you have been living underneath a rock. The guy is incredibly successful. His social media is taking over. He's got the SAS Academy. He's got shouts out, shout outs from all your favorite people on Instagram, all the entrepreneurs, anybody who's got a, a software, anybody who's got, it's, it's incredible. He's connected to everybody. It's pretty incredible stuff. So his story is amazing. And if you want to go back and listen to him on other podcasts, and talk about a lot of the things that inspired him. He came from a troubled past. He had a lot of addiction issues. And he found a guy when he was locked up that actually let him believe that he was capable of more and actually didn't belong behind bars and doing all this crazy knucklehead stuff. And because that guy gave him the belief that he had more potential in life, that one person who let him believe himself made him go out and literally change the trajectory of his life forever. I think he said he made his first million at 26 or 27. He has made insane amounts of money since then, bought and sold multiple companies, and the guy is just unstoppable. And along the way, obviously, he's had ups and downs, and he's found a way to use his free time now, which he's got a fantastic book that I'm going to give away. So anybody will do a giveaway. So follow the Instagram or follow us on Instagram, follow us on all social media. You're going to see that all week long. We're going to put out a giveaway. I'm going to give away 20 copies of his book, Buy Back Your Time. But I've read it cover to cover. It's amazing. It's such a great way to start, nurture, and scale your business and find ways to outsource and delegate and get your time back and be a better manager and a better leader. So we'll give that away. But what we talk about a lot during this podcast, because we jump back on, and I had all this list of things that we wanted to talk about related to the book and hiring assistants and, and doing all these things. And he just kind of was like, man, I... I just want to have a conversation because once you buy your time back, which you can learn how to do in the book, you can learn how to do in these other podcasts. The whole reason you guys want to make a million dollars and be financially free is so you can find a way to be the best version of yourself, have more time to be physically healthy, mentally healthy, uh, spiritually healthy, a better father, a better mother, a better human, a better friend. Like that's where all that stuff really comes from. And if you don't have those things right now, you might actually realize after you listen to this podcast that you don't need to be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire to start that transition, to start that progress towards being the best version of yourself now. So this was like a business therapy session. And anybody who's listening to the beginning of this right now, and you're doing the thing where you go, I'm going to turn this podcast off because I don't need to hear any of this mindset crap. You need to hear this more than anybody. And it's only the new investors that realize that that stuff's not important. So if you listen to guys like Bobby Castro, who's a billionaire, guys like Dan Martell that are going to give you an hour of his time that you literally, I don't think you can buy it unless you're literally making seven or eight figures a year anyway. So you're getting an hour with a guy right now that's giving you basically a free coaching session. And when you hear from some of the people that are billionaires or close to it and on their way there, telling you that the most important part of your success is between your two ears and getting that right. If you don't think that that's important, you should just stop the journey right now because you're never going to get where you need to go. You're missing the whole point. You're missing the most important ingredient. So 
take a listen to this. This was a deep one for me. I thought it was incredible. Um, as you hear me say during it, this is one of the first podcasts I've ever done that I didn't use any of the stuff I prepared for because he threw me off a little bit, honestly, in the beginning. He was like, look, I don't, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, what do I do now? That was kind of my whole thing is I had all these questions related to this stuff. And so we just kind of winged it. And honestly, just being present, not worrying about my notes. I thought we had an incredible conversation and I took a lot away from it. It was, it was one of my probably most impactful conversations I've had on this podcast so far. So I got a lot from it. I hope you guys do as well. And you can follow Dan Martell, see the show notes for all the ways to connect with him, connect with SAS Academy, connect with his Instagram, connect with his YouTube. He gives a really nice offering for you guys that he'll give you a free SOP checklist for his business. If you DM him on Instagram and type EA Nick, he tells you more about that at the end. But thank you guys so much. Definitely check this out. Definitely thank you, Dan Martell. You're a stud for coming back on, sharing your knowledge, sharing your experience. I very much appreciate it. It meant a lot to me. And of course, the way that we continue to get amazing guests like Dan Martell to come on is by you guys subscribing to the podcast. It means everything. It's literally the life and death of this podcast. It takes two seconds. It's available everywhere you listen, everywhere you watch, including YouTube. If you can't find it, just go to nicknicknick3nicks.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, nicknicknick.com slash links, and it will be all the ways you can subscribe to this podcast. You'll also find this on social media. I'm going to be posting a giveaway for this book. I'm going to be posting a bunch of links uh, on my social media, so you'll see all the clips that we're putting out there. You'll see me all over social media, whichever one you follow. Please follow us. Please engage with us. Let Dan know you saw the clip. Again, he's watching on Instagram. He'll collaborate on the clip. So ask him a question. Give it a thumbs up. Tag a friend. Let him know that you saw the clips. You listened to the episode and you liked it. And then he'll tell other people that he came on and he impacted our audience. That's how we keep this party going. That's how we keep getting these, these amazing guests that come on and drop this crazy knowledge. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And if you want a free checklist on all the ways to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler or broker, go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Martell. And the most important thing here is I want to do real estate with you guys. It's 2024. Let's do some deals together. Text me directly. 516-540-5733. 516-540-5733. Or you can just message me on any messenger or DM on social media, the word real estate, and we can start a conversation if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you just don't even know where you want to start, maybe you want to partner together on some level, let's start that conversation. Thank you so much, Dan Martell. Thank you, you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. A-game podcast, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. All right, my guest today has overcome attention deficit issues and the troubled youth of addiction and crime to become an athlete, a code writer, a business owner, and name one of Canada's top angel investors and in startups. Fighting out of Canada, he built, scaled, and sold three companies in a 10-year period, founded and exited multiple companies, including Spheric Technologies, Clarity.fm, and Flowtown. And in 2016, he founded the SAS Academy, which became one of the largest coaching companies in the world that has over 100,000 subs on YouTube and growing. Claims a such fantastic testimonials as our buddy David Lecko of Deal Machine and many, many other successful household names that you are aware of. He is a mentor, business coach, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and has an incredible YouTube channel where he has been dropping phenomenal and incredible Dan Martell uncut content. He is an Ironman athlete, has a fantastic book out right now called Buy Back Your Time. Father of two, husband, dog lover, punk rock kid, has a best friend named Nick, and we are psyched to have him back on the A-Game podcast. Welcome back, sir. Dan Freak and Martell, thank you so much for being here. Dude, I love the best friend named Nick because he is my best friend. He's, you know, I do Ironmans with him. I travel the world. His girls are like daughters to me. So I love that you found that. And what's what's new in the last little bit for context, not that you didn't do an incredible job 
embarrassing my Canadian humbleness uh, <laughs> is that I also buy a software company a month. So I have a hundred million dollar hold co started last year with my partner, Kevin, and um, that's been a lot of fun. So yeah, I keep busy. That's amazing, man. So we had had some discussions about buying back your time, but what I always like to hear is like, what are you excited about? Because you're, there's so much content out there right now. Anybody looks up Dan Martell between your YouTube and your Instagram and all the other podcast stuff you're on, and you're on so much that I feel like everything's always evolving and changing. So let's jump into what What are you excited to talk I about? Got, I got a lot of stuff. You know, the book has been an incredible blessing. It continues to serve. You know, we keep selling more copies week over week, and it's just gotten, I thought originally I wrote a book for like, you know, high performing software entrepreneurs, creatives, and it turns out that a lot of the CEOs are using it to uplevel their executive teams and their leadership teams, which that was kind of cool. I mean, the principles are fundamentals. I mean, the first principles, you know, at the end of the day, if you can, you know, properly allocate your time doing things that make money, create resources for your company that don't drain your energy. That's, that's usually a good thing, right? But it's, for most people, a lot of it is just limiting beliefs. I mean, Nick, I, I coach nine figure CEOs, incredible entrepreneurs, and still even at that level, they have beliefs around what are things they need to be involved in. And at the end of the day, I believe people buy your standards. They don't buy your presence. So everybody's got to write that down. Okay. They expect your standards, not your presence. I can build a sales process that is delivered to by a sales rep. That is my standard. I've designed it. Here's how I train against it. Here's how I coach against it. But I do not need to be the person taking all the sales calls. Same thing for any aspect of delivery. Same thing for any aspect of um, even operate, you know, like the big frame lately, Nick is just teaching people how to change the lens on their business from operator to owner, right? Like Nick, if I bought your business tomorrow and you were my partner, like I wouldn't immediately jump in and start doing stuff. I would work through you to accomplish outcomes together. I think a lot of people that own companies have a hard time kind of pulling themselves out of the doing to actually look at the owning. And as a person who owns a lot of companies, that's the only frame that I could possibly take to my day because if I was involved in all the challenges that are showing up or what I call puzzles in my companies, then I would spend 100 hours a week just trying to solve these puzzles. When the truth is, is I, I've got to look at it through a process and a system that is above all that. So that's like the big ideas that I've been... You know, if anybody follows me on Instagram, you can probably read between the lines a lot of the stuff I post on my stories and and the content we put out. But um, it all comes down to the uh, the most valuable real estate in the world, which is the six inches between your ears. Man, I absolutely love that, and I, I think that that is such a pivotal point where your mind will play tricks on you, and it'll convince you to do stuff. I've been doing a lot of work on self sabotage. I've been reading a lot of books about it lately, and it was almost. Can I share something on self sabotage real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So. Cause that's, that's like, I mean, the self-sabotage is so interesting to me because I coach so many entrepreneurs that I, I get the feedback cycle, right? Here's what I've, I've come to realize. Self-sabotage is when you have a belief, a negative belief, a judgment against the results you're actually going after to achieve. So for example, some people don't realize that they have judgments or fears around being rich. 
And they go, nope, I want to be rich. Not true. Let's talk about it. What do you believe about money? What do you believe about rich people? What have you heard about rich people? What do you, what are the subconscious judgments around rich people? Let's, let's list them out. Well, I mean, rich people uh, don't pay taxes. Rich people um, stole from somebody. Rich people aren't generous. Rich people are self-centered. Rich people, like all these things. And they don't even realize that those criticisms and judgments of people, like, like if I said, if you, if you came into a neighborhood and you found out that all seven of those houses were connected through an underground tunnel owned by one person, what would you think about that person? They go, well, that's a bit of excessive. Ding, ding, ding. Why? Why is it excessive? Why, why are you in your home, beautiful home, I'm sure the people listening to you live in, why are you not excessive to the person that doesn't even have a home? right? To the person on the street. You're not. Are you excessive? Well, I don't think I am. Exactly. You're not. So what happens is people have beliefs and judgments against their goals that unfortunately are the reason why they self-sabotage and pull themselves back because they have an internal identity of what they think they're worth and what there's fear, there's fear around, right? For example, if, and, and I've coached men through this, if I believe that getting in the best shape of my life would put me in situations where women were making passes at me that could compromise my wet, my marriage, do you think you're going to be motivated to get into the fittest shape you've ever been in your life? No. And you wouldn't even know why. You would just all of a sudden decide, hey, I lost 10 pounds. Now I'm going to a restaurant. I deserve to have that peanut butter and chocolate cake because I love peanut butter and chocolate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And then you start a negative downward spiral and you don't even realize that it's associated to the fact that you have a fear about getting in the best shape of your life because you're worried that you're going to compromise your marriage because somebody's going to make a pass at you. Somebody asked me this the other day. I do Q and A's on my Instagram every Friday. And one of the questions was, as you get richer, how do you stop the gold diggers from distracting you or, or, or I even forget the question, but it, and it was fascinating because I explained to him, I said, here's the deal this is why it's dangerous to get wealthy too quick without working on the internal identity. Because what happens is your frequency is what you frequently see. So because I've created my wealth over the last 27 years, I've been started, I started when I was 17 years old, I'm 44 today. It, there, and I've worked on my, my psychology and my, you know, my internal transformation, my mindset, my, 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 all of it. Like, dude, I don't, I've never come across a gold digger. Isn't that crazy? Nick? In my history, and I am fucking rich. I fly around on a private jet and I drive supercars. Okay. I have never come across a gold digger that's tried to make a pass at me. Now, is there, is it possible that that has happened? Yeah. But it's also a reality that my frequency is what I frequently see. So because it's not even part of my frequency, I don't even acknowledge and or experience it. Because if a beautiful woman makes a pass at me, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm so freaking married. You know, what's funny. Actually, I was at the gym the other day training and my trainer goes, Hey dude, good news. It's working. I said, what's that? He goes, well, clearly we're, we're making some gains. I said, why do you say that? He goes, two of the women at the gym asked me if you were single. <laughs> and I said, well, I hope you told them I'm incredibly married. And he goes, well, I didn't know if you were, I said, dude, I'm so married. I'm ridiculous. I'm like overwhelmingly married. I'm so married. There's a force field around me that keeps <laughs> those women away. 
again, my frequency is what I frequently see. I don't fuck with that. I don't mess with that. So I just think that like oftentimes the self-sabotage is usually a judgment, a fear around the goal we want to achieve. That's way back there. See, Nick, one question I like to ask my coaching clients is how old is that? Where did that come from? And usually they can point it. Well, when I was younger, my dad cheated on my mom. Interesting. That may be why you will never allow yourself to be successful because your dad was successful in your eyes and you associated success with breaking up a family. So if you had that belief, would you, would you really do what it's going to take to dig deep, to keep pushing? So a lot of people don't realize that that stuff that happened way back there, it's actually our biggest source of work. And I can get into that and I can talk about why our number one gift is right next to our worst thing that's ever happened to us and all that fun stuff. But I mean, wherever you want to go, Nick, I, the, the buying back of your time, which is, you know, the book is really to create the space for people to go on the journey to become more right? Because the world isn't as it is, it's as you are. So if I want my world to look different, I got to go work inward, right? And the external world will mirror that. Man, I, I think this, th to me, this is the most important stuff, because it's like you said, I tell people all the time, when I talk to super successful people, they don't want to dig into like, well, how do you hire a property manager? Like what kind they want to talk about this stuff, because this is the real things that make the difference. Because so many people build those bridges and right as they're about to hit, whether it's fear of failure or fear of success, they find a way. Like it's amazing as I get older in life and I watch so many people, you know, now I'm in my 40s and I watch people that's like they have these terrible patterns with like addiction or relationships or whatever it might be. And then you see him doing great again. You're like, man, good for that guy. He got his business back on track, he got his family back. And every like seven, eight year cycle, it's like he did the same thing. He did the same thing. He did the same thing. So it's like, well, how, how do I recognize that? And how do I stop that in myself? Because I can make all the money, but why do all these people make it, lose it, make it, lose it, make it, lose it? How do you stop that cycle? And where did that cycle even start? I think that's the most important piece of the whole puzzle. On that, Nick, and I love your awareness of it. It's actually really cool. It, it, it shows me the level you're operating at, which is a very high level. Most people that are, you know, fooling around with the, the conversations, like you said, property manager and all that stuff. And it's fine. We all have to go on this journey. But what I've discovered is the internal work is, um, I call them divine assignments. Yeah. Right? Have you ever met somebody and it, like you just mentioned it this, the, in their business, you, you had the business of the context of like they, every seven years they go through the same thing. Somebody rips them off the, the, whatever they're in the wrong industry and it fails or whatever. It's just fascinating. Right. I call those divine assignments. They're literally, you know, Peter Crow and this incredible you know, mentor and coach of mine, he said, the world will present you through people and circumstances where you're not free. Okay. So the world will present to you through people and circumstances where you're not free. Those are the divine assignments. So guess what happens if you're with somebody and they're with you to teach you a lesson, you've got an assignment to work through this and you don't work through it. Well, the brunette is a blonde next time. You think it's different, same thing. Then it's a redhead. Then, you know, like it's literally the same person different but they're there to show you and that's why i think kids are such a beautiful reflection of the opportunity for us right my children on a daily basis will de demonstrate to me where i have my opportunities to do the work 
If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's incredible, man. So having said that, how do you, how do you stop that? Like, where does those conversations come? Cause I just had uh, a mentorship conversation with somebody and I talked about all these things that I was dealing with and she immediately triggered it back to something that happened to me in like third grade that I was like, Oh my God, like all of this comes from, because the one time I felt good about myself, somebody made me feel, it's just amazing that. Cause I growing up, you think like, Oh, adults haven't figured out. And then you realize like as kids, all these things are being done. So if you don't have people around you, what are some ways that people can come up and start to reframe their mindset and change to get all that bad stuff out and to actually think about the positivity in the future and change their life? Yeah. I mean, I can give a framework that I coach my clients on to do it independently like yourself it's one i use all the time i mean i'm operating i don't want to say i'm on a different level but there's levels to the game okay and i'm here's what i will give everybody listening the three questions i would ask no matter what what fear you have right so like let's say i want to become rich and i have a fear that if i'm rich people are going to take advantage of me first question is it true right nick like whatever fear you have about the outcome you want to achieve, first question is let's be honest with ourselves. Let's name it. Let's let's look at it. Let's write it down and just ask ourselves, is it true? Is it true if I allow myself to buy a supercar that my friends are going to think I'm a douche? But for some people, they would never, including myself, okay, that was my first McLaren, this orange one right there. That was the first one. It took me, I was 28 when I became a multimillionaire. I was 27, let's say 27, I made my first million cash. I was, it wasn't until I was 34 that I gave myself permission. So, I mean, that doesn't feel like a long time, but it was a long time. I mean, this is six years of, and I'm a car guy to give myself permission to purchase, maybe not 34, sorry, 37, 37. So let's call it 10 years. Isn't that crazy, dude? For yeah. 10 years. I had a passion for cars. I used to drive. I had uh, my first race car was an M3, an old, uh, an older M, well, older today, but it was an M3. It was newer than I. And so like I allowed myself to play a little bit, but not all the way. Not McLaren mindset level, BMW level, which is fine. But it was, it was a bunch of bull crap on top of me worried about what other people thought. And trust me, I was the guy saying, hey, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Not true. Not true. So whatever the fear is, you got to ask yourself, is it true? Is it true that all my best friends are going to think I'm a douchebag if I get a McLaren? Turns out not true at all. My best friends, when I got the car, first one's there, happiest for me, excited, couldn't be happier. They literally were like, 
whoa, I can't believe, because it was one of the first McLarens in the province. I'm Canadian. Well, I grew up on the East Coast. When I got the car, it was the first McLaren in the province. <laughs> so they were excited. And, and it was fascinating. So is it true? No, it's not true. Let's work to the next question. How old is this? How old is this? When did I first fear being too much for other people and the receiving end of being rejected? Well, that goes way back to when I was 11 years old, diagnosed with ADHD. And literally, because I was too much, got kicked out of class and put in a special class. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's really old. The third question I would ask is, can I forgive myself? Can I go back and forgive myself and let that little Dan know that it's all going to be okay? He doesn't have to be fearful anymore. He doesn't have to worry about being rejected. That I appreciate that he continues to show me my opportunities to work on myself. But in the bigger context of my life right now, I'm good. And I think you got you to be able to go back and essentially work through some of those emotions and give, give that little version of you a big hug. Man, I and think just, that's incredible. Yeah, just work through it. I mean, that's one way, but I mean, I find it incredibly difficult for people listening. If they're not working with a coach that knows how to do this, a therapist, it's called internal family system. There's a bunch of different frameworks for it. But um, here's what I think about and call it trauma, capital T trauma, whatever you want to call it. I believe my belief, like the, the, the method, metaphor that I think about often is we are given a book called, let's call it our issues, right? Or capital T trauma. And most people have the book, right, Nick? You've got the book. And most people take the book and they put it on the bookshelf. Never to be read, ever. However, our divine assignments are to actually read the book, to study the book, to get close with the work, to revisit it, to ask ourselves, is, is there any part of it that's still there? And I think that's that's actually the bigger opportunity for people is to audit their thoughts and work through that in a way that allows them to be very aware of these stories and the meanings we've associated to it without the emotional charge of it. You know, like some people, they can't even think of a thought without getting incredibly emotional. Like they can't even talk. Like if, if you trigger it, they just, they shut down. I would encourage them to figure out a way to get close to it, to be with it, to sit with it, to let it go. Be curious. Like it's, it's, it was a beautiful thing that taught you a lesson that's made you who you are. Awesome. But don't let it stop you becoming who you could be. That's awesome, man. It's almost like, when you're watching a movie and then there's like a new clue that comes out and then it opens up all these other possibilities of like who it could be, where it could go, like where the story could be. So I feel like doing that work and uncovering that stuff as scary as it might be, 
it opens up this whole other adventure. He remind, you know, again, with the stuff that I know really, I know jujitsu very well. And it reminds me of like when somebody points out a principle, somebody might have said the same thing to me a thousand times. And then one day they say it in a different way and it clicks and you understand their principle behind why something works or doesn't work or why you do it. And then all of a sudden you go, I can apply this to a hundred different things now. And now look at all these possibilities. And I feel like that's what happens when I had moments like that with coaching and the uncovering that stuff. Like it was like, you're battling it, you're battling it, you're battling it. But then when you open your eyes to it, the feeling of like, oh my goodness, like now I've gotten past that and look at all these other things. And and as you keep saying, like at the next level, the next solution becomes another problem in another chapter. And new it's levels, an evolving process every single time. Yeah. New levels, new devils. Yeah, yeah. So when you talk about that stuff now, I think it's interesting because you also mentioned coaching and your coach. And I think it at some level, it's always interesting because when people start out and they go, I want to be a better person, I want to be a better investor, I want to be a better father, but I'm not going to pay anybody to do that. I'm going to read a book, I'm going to watch a YouTube video, and then they would think like, well, Dan Martell's on his way to be like a billionaire. Obviously, he's got it all figured out. He doesn't need a coach. So why is it that people that are so successful, like I pay more money than I've ever paid in my life for coaching now because I realize how much it helps. And the more people I get around like you, I realize how much I, I still don't know. I mean- Here's the reality. If you met somebody going to the Olympics and they said, yeah, I don't have a coach, you'd probably think they're not going to podium. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, like there's these basic things. If you want to be a high performer and some people don't look, dude, some people be happy with 10 million bucks and have a completely fucked up life. <laughs> they, they, they actually would be okay with it. They'd be okay making a million or two years. Dude, I have... I have people in my DMs, okay, in my phone, okay, I call them the big dog syndrome. In their friend group, they're the big dog. They're the dude with the nice car, with the bigger house, with the toys, and they got their little business going on. So because they're the big dog, everybody goes to them. So they always have to have their shit going on so that they can feel like the big dog. The problem is they know in the quiets of the night that they are playing small. That's the problem. The big dogs can stay the big dogs because they don't get around the real big dogs. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Like, mm -hmm. dude, if people think that they're at the top of their game, I can't even begin to tell them how silly they are, including this guy right here. On, on different dimensions, there are people that have a spiritual relationship that I can't even explain. There are people that have compassion and, 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 and directness with their children in a way that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. There's people that are so in love and connected with their partners that, again, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It defies the laws of gravity. In some cases, I'm like, okay, is this real? So here's my thing. If you want to express the potential of who you are, right? Rule number one is you aren't the big dog, man. You're on a journey. Your journey is to expand who you are to become what I call your 10.0 self, right? And I have these different dimensions that I coach against so that people can go on the journey of becoming. So yes, I have five coaches today. I have a parent coach who's world-class, 30 years working with teenagers. My kids are 10, 11. They're not even teenagers. Don't matter. I want to be the best dad in the world. I've got a, we got a family coach, Brooke. She literally comes and lives with us 
and, and sleeps in our home, wakes up and interacts, watches us, makes notes, and then does one-on-one -on -one stuff with my wife and myself, with my boys, all of us as a family. She comes out with our friends. What's, I mean, people are like, oh, I would never invest in something like that. Do you know what a divorce costs? Yeah. Do you know what a day off in your work uh, out of rhythm because you got to go deal with a child that is acting up because you don't have the tool to be able to communicate with them? Like people have no idea the true cost of not being on path or on a journey, right? So for me, I learned a long time ago, money, I can make that. That, that like, dude, when you get to a point where you, you make way more than you live off of, then the only question is, is what do I invest in? I mean, this is what you teach people. But if you don't consider your life worthy of a dollar investment, of a time investment, then what are you telling yourself? See, right off the bat, when people say like, oh, I would never hire a coach for X amount of money to coach my wife and I, what you're saying is, I don't believe my wife and I are worthy of having that caliber of person in our life, which may be absolutely true because maybe you've got one foot out the door and you got, you know, this fucking dude, I deal with it all. So you guys can't, nobody can lie to me. You know, you got a whole holding code that's registered under your brother's name or your cousin's name or your best friend's name where you've been transferring a lot of the money because you don't know, is this really going to work out? And if it doesn't, do I really want to have to deal with the fact that she gets half? Like, dude, the amount of lies people live with, here's what I know. The freest person in the room is the person with no secrets. So the reason why some people have a hard time getting a business coach or a family coach or whatever, they don't want to get honest. When I coach privately, and I don't do a lot, you have to be, you know, multi-eight, nine-figure CEOs. First question I'm going to ask them, hey, man, let's make a list of all your bugaboos, all of them, everything. I want the porn addiction. I want the vaping. I want the cheating. I want the gambling problems. I want the whatever it is. I want a list of everything that you have shame around that you've ever done ever. We're going to list out. I have zero judgment around it. Zero. But here's the deal. There is no chance that I'm going to be able to do what I do best if those are things that you want to hold on to and carry around. That was deep, man. That was like some self-reflection stuff right there too. Like uh, you look back sometimes of like somebody's there to help you, but you don't want to actually open up to them because you're afraid of either having to face that, that stuff yourself or this, having this and this, but not this, this, and this. Man, that's incredible. That's deep, man. I've never thought of that aspect of that relationship with like a coach and some of the opportunities that I've probably lost my own because of that stupid little silly, silly seven-year-old voice in my head of like that you don't want to face those fears or or, or deal with those challenges or those issues or be truthful. It's, it's a tough one because I know sometimes when people are lying to me, I know all the time, honestly, cause I'm very like, I have a intuition about it. And my, my faith tells me that eventually it's going to come out because, because what happens is your divine assignments are again, are presented to you to help you do the work. So if I keep seeing, as I coach somebody where they keep stumbling I can usually pinpoint a categorical, you know what I mean? Like there's something I know here that is causing this to show up. And I usually with the series of questions, I will get to that. 
But again, some people are like, look, I just don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, okay, you don't want to talk about the fact that your, you know, your parents left you when you were six and made you live with your, you know, th their, their, their sister. But yet you don't, you have a hard time keeping anybody in your business. And it seems like you have a revolving door of talent. It's like, what, what's going on? Like, you don't realize that maybe you're pushing them away because you're scared if they get too close that they might hurt you. Like, and you think it's a business thing? It has nothing to do with a business thing. It has to do with a trust thing. It has to do with a self-worth thing. It has to do with a protection thing. I mean, at the end of the day, what everybody's really doing with the business, like, think about this, Nick. It's like, what do you want to achieve in life? I want to be this. I want to be that. I want this kind of thing. I want this house. I want this jet. I want this. I want this. I want this. What people don't realize in making that list for somebody that's not awoken to this is they don't realize inherently they're creating a criteria list that is answering one simple question. Am I enough? And unless I do these things, I will never give myself permission to say I'm enough. And the cool part about this is that I'm not saying you can't desire and go after those things. I think you should. I think what you desire should acquire. Like that's actually a biblical spiritual thing. If you have a desire for something uniquely you inside creative, not competitive, creative, you should go and acquire it. But the big idea is that those things in that destination of achievement so that you can feel a certain way. And for many of us, it's, am I enough? You can get there today without any of it. If you're willing to do the work. So that pivots into a really interesting thing. And it's funny because you said almost half joking, like, hey, we'll make this like a consulting session for you. And now I feel like you're hitting like all my internal stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm getting all these feelings, you know? So it's, uh, but it's interesting because when you say like, am I enough? I go towards, am I enough? Like, am I doing everything I need to do to be the person that I'm trying to be the best of? And then it's like, well, I want to be healthy. So I'm going to get up. And we were talking about this earlier. I'm going to go do my cold plunge. I'm going to do my sauna. I'm going to do all this stuff. But the real thing I need to be doing is getting up and putting offers out on the 38 properties that I could be buying right now. And I know I have to do it, but I do all these other things telling myself that that's the important thing when it's really just putting off the thing that I know I should be doing. And it, it's, it's so backwards, you know, and I'm still fat and I'm still not making the offer. And then I'm going to go to pizza after I did it anyway. So it's like those things of like, it goes back to like, if I want to be enough, I have to do these things. But now I'm self-sabotaging, not doing those things. I'm just lying to myself about it. Like that, that whole chasing your tail circle to just never hitting it. And you know, the answer is right there, but you're just not doing it. Like it, it's really, right it's, it's amazing, man. Yeah. There's this great analogy people often use of like the white rabbit, right? Like, you know, the, the greyhounds on a track and there's a white rabbit and it's on a, you know, electronical track and it runs around the track and the, these dogs are chasing the white rabbit thinking that it's a white rabbit it's a robotic furry fake rabbit and gosh forbid any of the dogs ever got the rabbit because once they got the rabbit they would quickly realize it's not a rabbit right and there's nothing to eat and there's nothing to play with and it's just this stupid game that we're running around right so what happens often for all of us, because we're human, right? We're, we, but we are spiritual beings having a you know physical experience. The physical part of our, 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 our mind, right? Our ego, when you ask it, okay, what do I want to feel? So let's say in the context of like the cold plunge and all that stuff, you say, well, I want to feel healthy, right? Like that's why 
Why do I do cold plunge? Why do I work out? I want to feel vibrant. I want to feel healthy. So what happens is most people have a, a criteria that has to be true. So Nick, let me ask you a question. What would need to be true for you to give yourself permission to say, I am healthy or I am vibrant? What would you need to do in a day for you to feel that way? I would need to have the discipline to not stuff my fat face after I work out all day. What else? Oh, you'd have to work out? I have to work out. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to eat right. I have to have my mind right. I have to have my body right. And I have to make, I'd have to make better choices. Cool. So you have, you have this, this list of things that you would have to be true for you to feel good. Okay. What would need to be true for you to feel bad around your health? Sleeping in, um, poison. Just, just, just one, like just sleeping in and all of a sudden immediately you'd feel bad about yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? So what happens is we want to achieve a feeling. Most of us make it almost impossible to achieve. And vice versa, incredibly easy to achieve the alternative feeling crappy about ourselves. Wow. Why is that? Well, there's a whole lot of psychology behind what I'm saying, but here's the big idea. What I work with clients on is defining what needs to be true to make it easy to feel great and hard to feel bad. <laughs> so for example, oftentimes, you know, people have a fear of rejection. Well, I ask them, well, what needs to be true for you to feel rejected? Somebody doesn't reply to an email fast enough. Interesting. So somebody's not replying to an email makes you feel rejected. Yeah. Okay. Well, what needs to be, be true for you to feel accepted? Somebody invites me to a thing and they sit down with me and they look at me in the eyes and they ask me about my, my biggest desires. And, that, and I was like, only in that scenario, do you then give yourself permission to feel connected and not rejected? It's like, wow, you made it really hard. How about we say anytime somebody looks at us and we acknowledge their presence, we allow ourselves to feel connected. How about it would, it would take them telling me to my face verbally, you are a piece of shit. I don't like you. Fuck off. How about we just write that down? Okay. So then all of a sudden it's like, I make it really hard to feel rejected. I make it really feel really easy to feel accepted. That's the, that's the mental models that, you know, as long as we're not connected to, you know, through neural link and to AI and stuff, we're dealing with the six inches between our brains. So so I think a lot of people just don't spend the time to study the mind. And the truth is, is the quality of our thoughts dictate the quality of our experience. This whole life, and I want to tell you something, Nick, you are enough. And you don't have to achieve anything to be enough. Like that, that's when, when you said that, I don't even know if I am. I'm like, dude, you are. Whether you have anything or nothing. You're here, man. This is... Cool part is if you're part of this whole experience, then you have everything within you right now in this moment to be enough. And all the other stuff that stops you from feeling that, that is the work. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I think that opens up a, an interesting angle of you, you start to, the more you get into these circles of people that are inspiring you you can't help sometimes but look at the comparison syndrome so you always feel inferior but the only way to grow is to be around people that make you feel like that so you're like you know wh where is that fine line not true okay i love this i love this yeah so so again <laughs> what beliefs do we have that simply aren't true like 
So is it true? You have, you just said it. I'm not saying that you meant to say it or that you actually believe. I'm just saying, is it true? The only way for me to grow is to be around other people that are doing better than me. I guess not. Everybody has something to teach you, right? And have you ever grown through reading a book, going to a seminar, um, through pain, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so the, the cool part is, is that's not true. And is it true that other people doing better, you know, makes us default have to feel bad about our current situation? Hmm. It's not, it's also not true, right? So it's fascinating because again, how old is that? Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I can't believe I believe that. So, so what's fun for me is really challenging my thoughts. So a few things, I don't want to, <laughs> we're, we're going on some like, uh, delicate lines here because some people have never heard of these concepts. Like I, I know for a fact, cause, cause they, they're not taught. These are things I've studied. I've hired the people I've gone on the journey to, to really kind of piece it all together. First off, Nick, this is a big one. You do not control your first thought. Do you know that you don't control your first thought? Where do you think your first thought comes from? Subconscious. It's actually the superconscious. Your subconscious is what drives all your organs and stuff, keeping your heart beating. You don't, you don't think about beating your heart every, you know, hundred and sometimes a second, a minute. No, exactly. Subconscious organs, which is beautiful. Our conscious is our reflection on the thought. Our superconscious is actually where the thought came from. So you and everybody listening is connected to call it universal mind, super consciousness, the divine consciousness, oneness, universe, source, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. It matters for you, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of my, my example. But we do control our second thought. What does that mean, right? So we might be driving along and have a thought to call our friend, my best friend, Nick. And I don't control that because I didn't, there was no intentionality. It just, whoo, you should call Nick. And then I go, I'm going to call Nick or I'm busy or I don't want to, whatever it is, right? So we don't actually control our first thought, we control our second thought. So as it pertains to, you know, what is required for us to expand and grow, what is required for us to feel successful, these are all up for discussion. Because I'm sure you can tell me examples of things that you thought, when I when I get to X level, I'll feel a certain way. Can you remember that, Nick? Maybe it was your oh, first yeah. million. Yeah. When I make my first million, I'll be successful. I'll be happy. I will have made it. Did the, did the clouds part, Nick? Did you magically, did you become 10 times more competent and good looking and confident? Did that happen? Absolutely not. Crazy. <laughs> so that's the whole thing is that oftentimes we... You know, the most dangerous thing is something that we believe to be true that's just simply not true, right? And what happens is, and this is where wisdom comes from, is that people that have gone on the journey that further along, they can give you the perspective, right? Like you've gained. It's the reason why you do this show. It's you have a perspective that other people find incredibly valuable and it, you serve them with that message. And you can say, well, when I was younger, I was like full of piss and vinegar and I was on this journey and I wanted to become somebody. And then I, I got to that place. And I was like, whoa, hey, now that's that's actually not 
what it's about. And it didn't change me. And if anything, it made it worse because now I had, I had shit to like, I mean, this is a problem with money is that it will literally make you more of who you are. So if you don't do the work, like if you're a womanizer, like I said earlier, then you will literally be batting people off and dealing with, you'll be in the DMs flirting and doing stupid shit you shouldn't be doing. But if you do the internal work, to become a better version of yourself, the more of that you get, the more you get to express the goodness. So the comparison, for example, here's what I've learned. When I tell people, you know, if I'm speaking at an event and I throw up a picture of my family and, and this, my situation, my life, my home, my car, my jet, I know the audience is divided. They're split, Nick, right? Not down the middle, it all depends the audience, but I know I'm split them because some people are irritated who is this guy? I don't care if he's Canadian. He's cocky. I don't like it. And the other part of the room, they're like, man, that's cool. Like, I want to buy back my time. I want to get a jet. Perfect. You know the difference between both of those people, the irritated versus the inspired? The people that are irritated are not on path to ever achieve that. The people that are inspired are the ones doing the work every day. And they have a belief that someday, if they do the work, they can be that too. So same activity, same experience, right? Same person in the same room, two different people. One person's inspired, the other person's irritated based on the information, which both of those, if you actually ask them, is it true? The answer is you can feel the way you think you're going to feel once you have a jet. Now, a jet does buy you back your time. Like when people ask me like, what's the number one way you buy back your time? <laughs> I don't want to be a ding dong. I'm very aware it's that today at my level, but you know, I still think I would sell everything, including my plane, before I ever got rid of my executive assistant. I mean, come on. She's my partner in life. I would literally borrow the money to keep her on my team if you took everything. So comparison is a thief of joy because I'm not them. That's why like people say this to me all the time. They're like, are you trying to be like this person? I'm like, no, I'm trying to be like me. I know the only, dude, Nick, the only thing you can do that I can't do is be you 100%. Isn't that cool? The most unique thing we could do, the most admirable thing, the most expressive, beautiful form of creativity that we could ever give to the world is allowing ourselves to be us a thousand percent all the time. And that's available to every person that's listening to this. But unfortunately, sometimes they save that part for their friends or that part for their coworkers or that part for their spouse. And they don't just allow themselves to show up hundred percent them. Like, dude, I am who I am. Zero filter, because there's no filter to be required because I don't have a need for external validation. You ever hear that quote that like people buy shit they don't even want to impress people they don't even like? Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy world to get into. And it turns mm -hmm. out if you work through that, oh, you'll have way more than you'll ever thought possible. Because the energy that you bring to your work and to your expression to the people around you, it's a completely abundant, beautiful energy giving, supportive, like all my business partners, all my friends, they're incredible people. Like I don't get into lawsuits. I don't get into conflict because again, your frequency is what you frequency and you'll attract your vibe attracts your tribe. So my vibe around generosity and wanting everybody to do well and knowing that the world has way more to offer than the little micro world that we live in, in my little empire. It's like, come on guys, let's, let's go, let's go expand. Let's go get some of that. What are we doing here? I'm not, I'm not fighting about this. I want to, what are we like? Let's go over there.
Dude, there were so many good nuggets in there. I was smiling a couple of times. I'm going to go back. You had so many things that I was like, I think that's my new favorite call. And I was like, no, no, that's my new favorite. Like, there's a bunch of those in there. That was awesome, man. Your vibe attraction chat is a good one too. So you, uh, you, you bring up something here where I can't let you go through all of these things you're talking about with being in this freedom spot where you actually stop caring about what people think and you're comfortable in your own skin and not reference the fact that you had recently released an interview you did with Dana White. Who I feel like embodies a lot of that. And when I was watching it, I was like, that's cool. Cause that's a guy who literally is like the epitome of, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks of what I do and all that kind of stuff. So um, how did that come together, man? Cause obviously like that, I feel like it merged my world. So I was like, I got my Dan Martell hero here and then my UFC guy here and they, they collided. It, it's a beautiful question. I, and I, I'm nobody's asked me. I mean, I, it's, it's on the vlog. So it's cool. As you mentioned the Dan Martell uncut, that's a new channel. It's we don't promote it that much, but if you're a fan of that, it's behind the scenes. It's, it's literally showing my life real time. Here's what's going on. So how did the Dana White interview happen? Okay, first off, and if you watch that episode, you will see afterwards. This guy right here was just as surprised as anybody <laughs> else. Like, dude, I grew up in a small town in Eastern Canada. I grew up watching UFC. Like, I probably started with two deep VHS. You know what I mean? Like back when. Ken Shamrock and all these guys were like punching each other in the ding dong. Like what a crazy <laughs> thing. Like it wasn't even allowed on pay-per-view. So to go from that to watching it evolve, to seeing all the different athletes from the, 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 you know, everybody, Chuck Liddell to Silva to, to now the McGregor's and, 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 you know, whatever. And then I literally made a list one day about six months ago, I started a media company and we knew we were going to launch a podcast, but we didn't, that wasn't the first thing. We're really focused on our YouTube, on our shorts game, on the blog. But I made a list of all the people that I would love to interview. Now, my filter is me, Dan, who would I genuinely want to interview that I have a lot, a lot, a lot of context for, okay? So I have random people on there like Oliver Anthony, Tate McRae, Jelly Roll, Theo Vaughn. But at the top of the list is Dana White. So I'm laying on my couch on TikTok chatting. I chat a lot on Instagram. I love talking to people, helping people out. And my wife's sitting there on the other couch. And as I'm sitting there, I get a text message from my buddy, David. And it goes, would you be open to interviewing Dana White in Vegas? Like, dude, you don't understand. I couldn't understand it. I took a screenshot and then went to my list and took a screenshot because I was like, nobody's going to believe this. It, Like, dude, on that list was a ton of people. Dana White was the first one. Sick. <laughs> so that's what happened. They were running a YPO event in Vegas. Um, it, eventually, I ended up keynoting the event, which is bananas. My book came out. And they're like, dude, would you be down to do a keynote? So I'm going to Vegas to keynote the YPO chapter. And during the, oh, and by the way, during F1. Oh, sick. And I was like, can I stay? They're like, yeah, you have full platinum passes. You can come with us to the paddock. We've got this blah, blah, blah in the corner. And I'm like, what the hell? My wife's like, can I come? I'm like, of course you can come. So, it, I mean, there, there's things that are happening in my life right now that I can only explain through a higher power. There's no, there's no to-do list project strategy to make this stuff have, happen. Zero. It's like, don't even think that that's a way to do it. Like, 
you know, and you, you probably saw the Tony Robbins thing, right? So being invited by Tony Robbins to speak at Business Mastery, millions of entrepreneurs would want that spot. And there's only a handful of spots. What happened? How did that happen? Same thing with the Dana White. It's, it's divine intervention. It's spiritual. And I'm here for it all day long. Dude, congratulations. You deserve that, sir. Thank you. And guess what? I know. <laughs> no ego. Just, I know. And so, Nick, this is the beautiful part, as we all do. There's nothing that has to happen for us to just allow ourselves to believe that I'm enough. That's awesome, man. And, you know, bringing it full circle, my, my good friend and, you know, one of my mentors in life that uh, be, was my, one of my heroes who just became one of my close friends, Matt, the Terracera, UFC Hall of Famer. He is a, like another guy that you just, he is who he is. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you have a million dollars or a dollar. He just cares. Are you a good person? Are you cool? Are you, are you doing the right thing? And I feel like, and he has a show with Dana White. And I feel like he got that opportunity because of all these people that always want something from Dana. It was like one of those few guys was just like, this guy doesn't want Dude, anything from me. He's just who he is. Tribe, man. Yeah, man. Like yeah, that's exactly and I complimented yeah. Dana. I complimented Dana at the end of it. I didn't, I don't know if it was in the edit you got, but we're going to do a full release of the whole interview. Um, I said, I just got to let you know that I can tell, cause I've watched 50 hours before I did that interview, I did 50 hours of research of watching everything I'd done up to that point, like the most recent stuff, just the way he was with Theo Vaughn on his show where he found out the Peloton tried to make him pull a show. And he like pulled all the Peloton. I was like, Dana, you're an incredible friend to your friends. And I can't say that for everybody. I can't say that even for my friends. I think I have a lot of great people in my life, but some of my friends aren't great friends. I'm not sure if they would stick up for me the way you do. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's no doubt why you have the kind of life you get to live today. And you could tell he was like a little, thank you. Like it, it never occurred to him because again, he's like, look, at the end of the day, I only want to be surrounded with people that are hundred percent who they are. Right. And it's not, and it's interesting because you'll hear him say, I don't give a F about what anybody thinks of me. But I think if you actually like ponder, like sat down with them, like really said, like, because I don't think it's a negative energy. I don't think it's a like F you, I don't care about your opinion, although it can come off that way. And maybe it is for Dana. I'm just saying for me, it's not. My whole thing is that it's insignificant. So the frame I like to use, because I think it's approachable for everybody, is other people's opinions of me is insignificant. I am not going to live my life in your thoughts. Think about that. Most people, their world is created in the thoughts of other people on how they live. Hmm. That's a crazy concept. Like you literally wake up every day and you go through your life worried about how the thoughts of other people are going to be shaped based on what they think of you versus you deciding I'm going to do this for me. Cause I feel this is a desire, right? I work with the coach and he likes called blissfully dissatisfied. He's like, you can be absolutely grateful and blissful about life and everything you've got today. And in the same breath, be dissatisfied with where you're at. And, and I don't know if I like the word dissatisfied. I'll probably find a better word to say it. I think blissful is great. Joy is great. But it's the awareness that you are capable of more. Right, Nick? Because like, I can be crazy grateful. Just I'm looking at the sky right now. I, I live on top of a mountain and it's sunny and it's beautiful and the landscape. 
And at the same breath, know that when I go to the gym, I'm going to fucking rip those weights off the barbell. Like I'm going to attack it because I want to shape my body. And when I go do my leadership training, I'm going to pour people, I'm going to grab their little faces and just pour into them because they deserve my best version of me. See what I'm saying? So like, I think that that is a duality that a lot of people, hopefully they can come to. Maybe my words got through them today. They, that, that just because you want more, just because somebody else has more, doesn't mean you are less. Doesn't mean that what you have isn't absolutely perfect for what it is in this moment. Doesn't mean you can't have an awareness that you're capable of more. Because I think you, me, everybody, we're all here to expand. It's what we do. Like that's that's the universe. The, the seed that gets watered and planted, does it say a seed or does it turn into an oak tree? It turns into an oak tree. That's all of us. We're all here for that. Let's just be a little bit more aware of it. Absolutely incredible, man. This was probably the only podcast I've ever done that I didn't use one note that I prepared for this thing for. And it might be one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, man. So this was really cool. I really appreciate you coming on. This gave me, I'm going to listen back to this. There's a lot of things I want to go back and reflect on, but I feel like this was like a, a, you know, business therapy, personal therapy for me, man. And you said a lot of things that are going to impact me for a long time. So I very much appreciate it, sir. For anybody listening now, how can we help you? How can we work with you? How can we connect with you and see what you have going Just on? Find me on Instagram, Nick, as you mentioned, like there's something about the Instagram platform that I absolutely love. I love the messaging on it. So if anybody wants like, Buy back your time, go get it. You can get it at buybackyourtime.com. That's the book, best-selling book. It continues to shape the entrepreneurial world, right? I'm teaching entrepreneurs how to build companies they don't grow to hate. If you want my internal SOP, the standard operating procedure for how I work and interact with my assistant and who everybody knows, she's famous, she's incredible. I will send that to people. So Nick, if they follow me on Instagram, Dan Martell, two L's Martell, you follow me and then you message me and you say, Nick's podcast, the A game or Nick, like just say EA executive assistant, Nick. And I'll know because this podcast, I will send them a direct link, no opt-in, no anything. I won't ask for anything to the Google doc. They can make a copy of it. It's sanitized, but it's my gift to your listeners. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to give away 20 copies of your book this week too, for anybody listening. So I'll spread that because that book is absolutely freaking incredible too. So definitely follow, like, look at all the show notes. I'll have all the ways to connect with Dan as well. You, sir, bring your A-game to everything you do in life. This interview, once again, has been no different. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your busy day? No, I mean, I always, I always invite people to consider this simple thought, simple but profound. We're here to do two things. We're number one here to become the best version of ourselves. In many ways, I like to invite people to consider become the person you needed most in your darkest days, right? And then in that same breath, share that process, share your transformation, share what you've learned about life, how you've gotten to this point, your success so far at this point, share it with the world. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe that's your community. Maybe it's your CrossFit gym. Maybe it's your church. I don't know what world it is you want to share it with. But I think that when I think of fulfillment, Fulfillment, not happiness, is on the other end of the striving towards becoming our best version and giving the process and the steps to other people as a gift. I think that's what every human is here on earth to do. Wise words, sir. I'm grateful for you. You inspire me. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on today. Dan Martell, ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic day. Thanks, Nick. Cheers.